I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live, Randy Robinson here. And you know, if, you, uh, if you've if you read the Bible, uh, especially the Old Testament, you know sometimes there are parts that you kind of just go, what is going on here? You know, there's some history, there's a lot of cultural things, there's uh, some things related to the Old Covenant, and we live with a New Covenant, so you sometimes it can be a little confusing. I, what I love about Scripture, though, uh, is that it's all, it's all good for, it. We, we can benefit, we can profit from it, we can learn from it. And, and Paul says that in the New Testament. At the time, he didn't have a New Testament. <laughs> all he had was the old writing. So when he wrote that, he was literally talking about the Old Testament. So is it still relevant? Well, yes, and there's a lot of very interesting things that, that you're going to learn today, and you can go even deeper. I've got a very large book here, very heavy, with lots of pictures. Uh, a very It's a fun one. This, I get a lot of books. This one, I was like, oh, let me look at that one. That's, it just got a great appeal. The editor of that uh, is Paul Wright, Doc, Reverend Dr. Paul H. Wright. And uh, that is the, the book I, well, let me show you the book. It is called The Rose's Guide, Rose Guide to the Feast, Festivals, and Fasts of the Bible. It's not just history, though it is fascinating history. It actually, uh, there's there's a lot going on there, and a lot of it relates to you today, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Dr. Wright, great to have you on Live Today Live. Appreciate your time today. Happy to be here with you. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. So, uh, kind of just from a 30,000-foot view, uh, when we look at the feast festivals and fasts of the Bible, what what are we kind of looking at from today's standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing we need to... Um, do is pause a bit and and say, look, let's let the people of the Bible be the people of the Bible. Let's not invent them in our image. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, it's hard to predict the past, and 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 we think we have a handle. We kind of read into it a lot, and and part of that there's a tendency, honestly, there's a tendency to super spiritualize it. You know, to clean it up a lot uh, based on, you know, a a few millennia of interpretation, yeah, between them and us. And let them be people like we are, and let them live in the land, off the land, in a place like we do. Hmm. Um, and, and one of the benefits for that, of course, theologically, is that if God can speak to them, he can speak to us, because we're also real people living in real places. So let them be that. And part of their um, living experience, like everybody's living experience, every place is celebration of all kinds of birthdays and and uh, coming of age and and marriage festivals and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are mentioned as well as feasts in the Bible. We tend not to, we tend to skip over them and jump right to the big ones, you know, Passover and, and so on. Yeah. Uh, but let them let them celebrate a bit and then see how the celebrations that they had as a united people, as a national identity, or as a as a common ident- as an identity founded or based on what God through what God has done in their lives, remembering God's events again coming out of Egypt, coming up to the temple and so on. 
through the eyes of what they were already doing, uh, supersizing it or magnifying it. You know, if you're used to celebrating in this way, now ever so much more so when you go to the temple. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that, things like that. So look at the larger context. And we tried to do that in the book from a variety of different different opinions. Part of part of living in any society, any place, is that we, you know, we today, the Christian community, I mean, we're we're immersed in a in a culture, in an environment that is becoming less and less Christian all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't have to explain that. Everybody can see that. And the ancient Israelites were living in a culture that was very much not Israelite. Uh, that is to say, their neighbors round about them. Uh, we call them pagan, um, but um, that word can have um, uh, maybe connotations that they weren't sophisticated and so on. They were very sophisticated, the neighbors. Uh, in the time of the New Testament, the Jews were living in an environment that was a becoming Greco-Roman, Hellenistic, mm-hmm. very much not according to the Torah law of right. Moses, right. right? And so how do you respond to that? How do you, can you draw, not draw from, but but what do you do as part of your normal culture that then is being reshaped or redeemed in the way that you celebrate? Hmm. And we shouldn't be afraid to ask those questions. Um, for instance, yeah. for instance, yeah, okay. uh, uh, the very first mention of the big festivals, what come to be called Passover, what comes to be called um, uh, weeks, what comes to be called tabernacles or booths, the very first mention of them in the Bible in the book of Exodus chapter 23, they're not called that at all. They're called a festival of harvest, a festival of ingathering, and these are names that their neighbors used. Mm. All right? Then God says, okay, you're celebrating festivals connected to the land, to the climate, to the geography at harvest time. Let me take that and build on it for you in a way that shows you're not just being redeemed from famine, you're being redeemed from slavery. Mm. And so we'll celebrate mm. the way that God provides in his larger, in this larger way of your history at the same moment in time that you're celebrating the barn is full again, I can eat again, and supersizing it in a way that that just just revolutionizes our understanding of who God is and how he takes care of us. Interesting. So I, as you know, um, you're the president of uh, Jerusalem University College and taking all these different groups, these tour groups uh, around uh, Israel, surrounding areas. Uh, how, how does understanding just the geography, the lay of the land, the dependency that you talked about on the land, how, how does it, sort of enlighten us to what God is saying through these things that we read about that we kind of don't connect to as we sit here and, you know, drive our cars and sip our lattes in in today's society. Exactly. I mean, that's the real life stuff. That's the real life stuff. And, and uh, I guess on the base level, it it tells us that God has chose to speak to people where they, where they are in life. And so he's talking about using, using elements of the land where they live. The geography, the language, the, the 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 shape of the land of their own environment to explain who he is. God is a rock. What does that mean? Mm. It means something different in Dallas than it means in Jerusalem. Right. All right. Right. So let's find out what it means. Why did he say that? You know, a rock is 
is an inanimate dead object, not a good picture of God. <laughs> but why does the psalmist say that again and again? God is my rock, you see. So there must be something there. That's one of many, many, many images. Um, the well, what, what, the, the, answer, answer your own question there. What was there for the uh, the Israelites at the time when that was even the imagery was brought forth? You mean the rock? Yeah. Im- image in particular. I mean, this is a land of limestone. The bedrock is very high, and and the bedrock supplies living water. The springs come out of it. You can see it. The bedrock uh, provides. The soil for growth, shelter and shade, and all these kinds of things. The psalmist focuses on rock, fortress, stronghold as a place to escape to, and that's what we tend to limit it to, but it's bigger than that. Hmm. Um, it's it's building material, it's it's everything. It's when 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 God's when when Jesus says to Peter, um, um, you are a rock, and on that I'll build a church, yeah. you know, we, we connect it with his name. Petros is rock in Greek, right? Um you know the the rock that is it, it provides the building material the the growth the water the soil the everything comes yeah. off of that yeah and that's a good picture of a church I think yeah yeah I, I have an odd, odd question for you when your opinion yeah. on this do you think Jesus was yeah. a carpenter because tecton is not really specific tecton is tech carpenter is a good northern European word that made it into into English <laughs> but a te- tecton is it's the master craftsman of local building materials and and the main one happened to be stone yeah stone and and we know this from both the land itself and we know it from the ways that josephus who's writing in the first century uses the term stone mason although they could build in wood as well okay uh certainly whatever the material it happens to be at the time um metal i think as well as something well i mean when you look at it in that context uh the idea of of what Christ did, the, the usage, the imagery he used in the New Testament even, yeah. of a yes. cornerstone, and like you said, Peter, upon this rock. It's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. When you go through your Bible with a highlighter, your Gospels, and whatever there's building language, highlighting, pay attention, there's a lot there, yeah. actually. And Jesus, look, Jesus knew what he was talking about. <laughs> right, right. How's that for a, for a theological? That's a real statement. He knew what he was talking about. You know, and he, he he drew like anybody. We find value in 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 taking things that we are living with and using that as images of bigger realities. Right, right. We do that. And that's what the psalmists do. The poetry in the Bible does, yeah. uh, and that's what people do when they speak. Um, and much of our speech is idiomatic anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and that's what we do. And, okay. so, and so it resonates. And so we listen to that. Um, and the geography just permeates the Bible in, in that kind of a way. But it also underlies the, the need, the, the, the way that the festivals were celebrated. What was brought for sacrifice? What time of year you celebrate? What kind of event? And then the sequence of the... Um, na- great national historic redemptive epic, mm. Exodus from Egypt, mm. journey to Mount Sinai, receiving the Torah, the instruction, mm-hmm. uh, and then the wilderness wandering for 40 years prior to entering the land. That sequence uh, is followed every year uh, in the three great festivals, and the book talks about these, 
primarily, um, in the sequence of the year, spring, early summer, and then autumn, um, and links actually those events to, you know, coming out of Egypt at the beginning of the year, the beginning of the year is, is the month, month of Nisan uh, in, in the Hebrew calendar. Um, and, and that long, hot, dry summer in the land of Israel, yeah. also in Texas. Yeah. But that long, hot, dry summer in the land of Israel, when basically there's no rain at all, uh, is, is a yearly reenactment mm. or memory of how God provided for us through the, through the uh, 40 years of wilderness wanderings and then, and then entering into the land of promise, um, where the rainfall then comes and blesses your land, just in the fall semester, in, in the in the in the, in the fall season, when um, uh, when that when the um, the festival of, of, of booths or Sukkot, uh, part of the celebration then is to pray for rain, uh, to kind of begin that cycle again. Yeah. So the two are linked. Yeah. Yeah. Are linked. Okay. Um, so when yeah. we look at the book, your your guide to the feasts, festivals, and fasts of the Bible. Uh, which is yeah. available now, by the way, anywhere you get books. Um, I, what is this whole? There it is. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a full screen graphic of it. Okay. He, he, Paul's old. Oh, you got, got it. He's okay. got his, we've all, all right, got all right, our copies. Good, good. We've, we've got our copies. You need to get yours. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah. So what? Um, oh, what? What's the deal with eating? I mean, even Jesus did this. I mean, so much of the Bible surrounds eating. What, what eating is a big thing. Look, in a land, a very good question. Yeah. And this is one of the background elements that is geographically related, actually. Okay. Is in a land that is so prone to famine because of the climate and the big gap of no rain, right. number one. Uh, and number two, because the land itself is so rocky and the, the, arable soil, usable arable soil is limited. Nowadays it's different with right. modern agricultural techniques, right. but, but, but that limited. So the combination of a, a land that's rather rocky with little soil and the lack of rainfall makes famine uh, always an issue, number one. And, and the amount of food that people eat is going to be limited and it's going to be, um, uncertain, just in, in general living condition. Famine is always in hand. Uh, and so eating uh, becomes an important thing. It's not just let's do it three times a day. Sometimes it was maybe done once a day or none during the day. And the kinds of things that you eat uh, then uh, become an issue. And so when there are events in life that draw people together or want to want to draw people together, like, like relationships being restored, uh, either on the personal level or on the family level or on the national level, mm -hmm. covenants being made um, or approaching somebody. And this is why food is used in sacrifice because you're approaching God, by the way, mm. you see. Whenever, whenever that special event or a special thing wants to be celebrated, like the passage of time for your own life birthday, or at a funeral event or something. Uh, that's when you want to make sure that there's something that you come together around a meal, because that's not something that can be done on a normal or predictable way, at least compared to how we do it today. So you come together and eat around table. Um, you eat off of a common plate often, 
at these banquets, which means we don't have um, separate plates and utensils. It's your hand off a common plate. And that breaks down barriers between people yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so it, so it, so it's a physical act of sharing number one, a valuable thing, food, and doing it in a way that binds people together, binds people together. Um, and eating then, feasting becomes a important part of the festivals. Yeah. Not only because the festivals are times that bind ancient Israel, modern Jews and Christians together as a people, as we remember our identity, our identity both as a people together and with God through the festival time. Um, but but break down hostility between them, uh, between the, the participants as well. Again, when God is present at the meal, look, he's always present at the meal. Right. But during the festivals, you know, the chair uh, that we set for Elijah to announce the coming of Messiah again, for instance, in Passover, or, or this idea that we, uh, in the peace offering, uh, in the book of Leviticus, uh, where the offering then is given to God, but the meat of the offering then is shared among the people, among the family. Mm. You see, it's part of God is at the meal, you might say. Mm. You know, he's home. He's he's with you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. He's um and, and it's that's it makes it very powerful. It's not just eat and go. It's not just Thanksgiving meal, right? Eat your drink. I mean, there's something much, much bigger going on. Yeah. And we try to show that in the book. Yes. He's, he's, he's the God of the feast, not the fast food, you, you could say. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, all of this ends up at the marriage supper of the Lamb in the book of Revelation, but oh. there's a lot lying behind it. Yeah. You see, as you... I, I want to I ask you something, because this is all great from a, a historical standpoint yeah. uh, and enlightening, certainly, uh, for understanding. But, for example, someone who's watching right now, one of my top viewers is, asking for prayer for her sister who is sure. uh, saying that the, the long-term disability of where she was working is threatening to cut back her payments and could put her yeah. mortgage at risk. And you were just talking yeah. about famine. How yeah. can looking back at these feasts, festivals, and fasts of the Bible, these points of remembrance for what God has done in people's lives apply to someone today who is facing a critical need? Yeah, where the rubber hits the road is that it's not always comforting to say, oh, God will take care of you. Right. Because on one level, we know that that happens. But on the other level, I'm hurting at the moment. I'm hungry in a lot of ways, right, at the moment. And when we look at the whole picture of Hebrew Bible and into the Gospels, not just an isolated chapter, all right, or one story or one event. We have to look at the whole thing, read the whole thing. Um, because life is holistic. Life is, life is, is you, you can't isolate. You can always find a case study, right? <laughs> right? You know, that says either God will bless you or God will curse you. You can always find it. But when you look at the whole thing, we see that Israel as a people, as a people, Old Testament uh, um, speaking, you know, although it continues, uh, they knew that they were living in a land that was difficult. They knew that they were a not a strong people. Uh, they knew that there were all kinds of pressures pushing them. Um, and that that land where God chose to take them, the land of Canaan, right? Genesis 12, the land where God chose to take them compared to their neighbors was not a very good land. Hmm. 
Look, it was a whole lot easier to, it would have been a whole lot easier to stay in Egypt yeah, and live along the Nile. Yeah, right. Life is a lot better there. I mean, maybe not today, Ian, not talking today, Egypt, but right. historically, life was a lot better. Leave that and go to a land where the land is difficult because there we learn that life is, God is bigger than us. Yeah. We need, we need God. We need that. We can't do it on our own. And we need, and, and, and Israel's then living history is lessons in, well, I'll either believe that or I won't. And God says, well, I'm going to teach it to you anyway. Yeah. Uh, where land of promise, promised land is not, we want it to be, I promise to give you everything you want. <laughs> That's what we want it to be. Okay. Promised land, right? right? Gold and silver stocks and bonds are always healthy. This is what we want it to be. Instead, it was a, and it, it, it was a land that didn't offer much by itself, and your living is coming off of the land. Yeah. So promised land means, more often than not in the Bible, I promise that no matter what situation you happen to be in at the moment, to take care of you. Yeah. You see? Right. Right. Now, how that will unfold, there's a lot of different ways. And sometimes it means you'll get better. And sometimes it means I will lift you up as you're not getting better. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Physically or in econo- or economically or emotionally, sometimes people don't get better. But God lifts us up in the process. Yeah. And that's what Israel needed to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think, if you yeah. look all the, even all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where yeah. the idea was that God walked with, with mankind, right? God was... We had a, a very, very close relationship. Right. Obviously, sin broke that relationship, and, and you go all the way through Scripture, and you see this struggle, uh, and it's really about relationship. Do you think it's fair to say, especially as you yes. look at this the cycle that you talked about from the, the delivery out of Egypt and then the wandering in the wilderness to get to that promised land, do you think it's, yeah. do you think it's fair to say that, that much of Scripture is saying to us that— it's it's not about getting your needs met. It's finding it's learning the dependency on God during the time of need because that builds the relationship that is God's ultimate goal. I think I think that's that's exactly what the bulk of the message is. Yeah. And and what we've done, you know, we we have the misfortune of living in a land that is pretty blessed materially. Uh, through a few centuries where we've really been able to do anything we wanted to do. Yeah. And and if I had to compare America to a land in the ancient Near East, it wouldn't be the land of Israel, it would be the land of Egypt, where life is pretty good. <laughs> to be quite honest, now we can talk about that, we need more than the time we have right now to talk about right, this, right? Right, right. So, so, but it's, but it's, you know, Israel wasn't at home there. God's people weren't at home there. They were at home. He said, I can't teach you there. I can't shape you into the people that you need to be there because life is, you think you don't need me. Right. If you stay there. Right. Right. You see. Yeah. Yeah. We, do, we don't want to go into the wilderness, especially for a long time. A uh, long time. But yet that is, that is where God teaches us. And the good news yeah. is that he always promises to provide. I, 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 is there a pattern? 
uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing a little bit. I'd have to go back and examine it, which you've already done. Is there a pa- pattern in Scripture of kind of always leading to the feast, a come to the table? It, it, I mean, because to me, you can talk about the hard times, but there's always the hope. I mean, isn't isn't sort of that the the arc no, there of the is. story is let's get to the feast? No, there is, and and even even if a family in the time of the Bible, Old or New Testament. Or, or even somebody celebrating the feast in the centuries since around a Jewish home, or however it was done in the Christian way, the Christian home, couldn't afford to feast that year. Let's say they just can't afford to do it for whatever reason. They can't afford to do it the way that they're supposed to do it. There was this, this sense that, but we've got to do as much as we can anyway, mm. because we cannot forget that God is telling us through the festival, through the action, whatever, however well we can we can celebrate it with what we have, that we are a people under his provision and protection, mm-hmm. and that we remember the great act of redemption that he did for us in the past, whether it's out of Egypt or on the cross, all right? Yeah. That we remember that great, and that changes who we are. And and our living then in all of the days of the year until we celebrate the next feast should be impacted on that. In other words, we want to, we want to just for that one day live in the full blessed way Hmm. materially, because it tells us that God is meeting our needs in other ways as well. I'm not sure I said that very well, but but there's something insignificant about the event. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And, 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 Wow, man, it just, this hope people need, you know, it's the hope we all need. We didn't even get to talk about the the fasts, uh, so you, you, if you guys want to get into the, the detail on that, yeah. you're going to have to pick up the book, The Feast, Festivals, and Fasts of the Bible. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I probably won't broach that because we're, we're wrapping it up here, um, but I guess if, if you could kind of give sort of the, the, real condensed version to someone uh, who is, is interested in this, not quite sure where to go. Obviously, you've got a great resource. You've got a lifetime of, of looking at this and teaching this. What what would someone maybe take away if they said, okay, this is an area where I want to go a little deeper. I want to see the pictures. I want to understand the context, the geography, yeah. the time frame. What are they going to walk away with? Yeah, and this book, I think, will help them do that. It, it looks at the festivals during the time of the Old Testament, another chapter during the time of the New, uh, another chapter, what do Jews do today, uh, another chapter, what do Messianic believers, hmm. um, either Jews who believe in Jesus or or, or Gentiles who are, are wanting to to participate in, in that experience, how do they celebrate? And then how are the, what about the rest of the church? You know, how does, how does Easter and Christmas fit into all of this, hmm. you see? Uh, and, and so we have different authors from, from these different views, different views, different, different perspectives, writing from their own heart and soul and mind, right? Um, all of them knowing they're writing for, for our audience, a Christian audience, uh, on that, even though it's... Uh, how, do I, how do I get my Jewish yeah. friends, uh, yeah. I, I do have some, and uh, yeah. rabbis even, to... Yeah to understand 
all this is talking about Jesus. <laughs> all this is pointing towards Christ. Right. <laughs> we need another show for that one. You and I need to set up another <laughs> Fair time enough. Fair another enough. Another time. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that's isn't that a question? Isn't that, that's an important one. <laughs> it is. Uh, but it's 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 and it's not a simple answer. Mm. Not a simple answer. All right. Well, Reverend. Okay. Reverend Dr. Paul Wright, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your work on this, and I I, I just know there's so much more, and I appreciate the great resource. Uh, lucky to have my copy, uh, and I hope others will pick up theirs. Appreciate you today. Thanks so much. Thanks. Happy to be with you. <laughs> Thanks for watching, good, and I know I think I think we've just sort of teased you a little bit. Uh, so if this I mean this is a fascinating study, and it's it's a it, it's a thick one uh, at times, but it'll bless you uh, and point you towards some really some depth in your relationship with God and some wonderful understanding, especially of some of those kind of weird and hard parts of scripture in the old Testament to understand this is, this is some advanced level stuff. So if you want to go deep and be mature, check it out. Uh, maybe tomorrow we'll get a little shallow. Oh, no, I'm just kidding, but we've got lots more for you coming up. So we'll see you again next time here on life today. Live. Spirit as a bit of uh, something extra. The Holy Spirit must be Lord.